Welcome to the HJ Talks About Abuse podcast, the podcast where we talk about sexual abuse cases in the hope that it will assist listeners in openly discussing topics which have been ignored for too long. This podcast is brought to you by the abuse team at Hugh James. We are lawyers, so we tend to speak about the legal aspects of abuse cases, but we aren't too shy to speak up about the broader issues faced by survivors of sexual abuse too. We hope that you find it interesting, but more than that, if you are a survivor of sexual abuse, we hope that you find our discussion empowering. Hello, podcast listeners. My name is Alan Collins. I'm the head of the abuse team at Hugh James, and I'm joined by my colleague, Danny Vincent. Hi, Danny. Hi, Alan. And we have back with us again, Tom Farr from CIS. Hi, Tom. Hi, Alan. Thanks, Tom, for joining us again. And in this podcast, we are going to be discussing sugar daddies. Yes, you heard me right. We're going to be discussing sugar daddies. And I'm sure we're all familiar with the term. And, you know, I must confess that sugar daddy is a sort of derogatory term. You know, it's applied to men of a certain age who have a very much younger partner, wife, you know, huge age gap. And people sort of point the finger in a sort of derogatory way and sort of say, what's in it for her? It must be money or she's married him for his money or, you know, that kind of thing. You know, it's, it's, it's a sort of derogatory term. But, Tom, you're going to take us through this because there are hidden depths to all of this as well as implications and there's a lot of sort of concerning issues that relate to this kind of relationship. You know, I use relationship in, in not in a loaded term. Mm-hmm. So sugar daddy is, generally speaking, an adult male of a certain age, probably of a very sort of mature age with a much younger spouse. And of course, I suppose we could have sugar mummies, but let's stick to um, sugar daddies for the moment. Yes, it's exactly that. In effect, there is financial compensation, either directly or in terms of lifestyle, that's provided in exchange for what we would say is euphemistically a relationship, but is often a sexual relationship, if not a a romantic one. But isn't this as old as the ages? You know, who are we to judge? You know, what's wrong with a young person, a young woman having a, a a relationship with a much older man. You know, it's maybe, maybe that's her choice. If it works for them, who are we to yeah. judge or point the I, finger? I think this really goes to the point of if you look at the power structures that are in play on a, on a wider societal level, not just in terms of the relationship between a man and a woman, but economically, what you have globally speaking is and historically is a class of people overwhelmingly men again who have used their sex class power and their financial power to effectively render women reliant upon them and this is going to the the point of you know historically speaking is it as old as you know the oldest time itself that doesn't make it good we would say you know that because women have had to rely on men to provide for them and often had to do things against their will in return we would say that that actually goes to the point of the historical setup being exploitative as opposed to it being a natural occurrence that should be continued 
But moving into the modern day, I think that the if you see the the dynamic that's in play now, it's often wrapped up in other forms of exploitation. For instance, there is a, an enormous market in the Far East for young girls, increasingly young girls and women who are reliant upon men in the West to provide for them. In exchange, it's effectively male order bride for, for one of a less loaded term. And that's really the reality of the situation as a whole that we are very, very concerned and conscious of. So you're saying that, there's, you know, really the reality is exploitative. You know, you, it's men using their power, their sex and their wealth in order to acquire what they want from a potentially vulnerable, much younger person. Yeah, exactly that. And this is, as with everything that we do at CEASE in terms of our approach to the wider sex industry, is that we really want to maintain a wider class analysis of this situation and not be too drawn into the kind of apocryphal individual instances of somebody doing it completely out of choice, because we maintain that actually that isn't particularly representative of A, the experience, or B, the driving factors as to why people ultimately are, are found to be in these positions. What about when you see people who are not necessarily of mature years being described as sugar daddies? So in preparing for this podcast, you know, you, you type in sugar daddies on the internet, see what's there, and of course, you know, but you see people, you know, perhaps in their 30s, Mm. holding themselves out as a sugar daddy. You know, it's, it's as if it's a, as an attractive proposition. They want themselves to be seen as a sugar daddy, and yet they're, you know, relatively young. So maybe the dynamic's changing. Maybe it isn't necessarily men in their 70s after a bride, you know, who's 50 years younger or, or whatever. Yeah, I, I think that the common thread, though, is not necessarily age. While that historically may have been the case in this context, the common thread still is this idea that women's companionship, to put it euphemistically, but their sexuality, realistically, can be bought and wider than that can be commodified as a product to be purchased on the open market. And that, politically speaking, as well as you know the reality of it in terms of how that impacts women physically and, and mentally, politically speaking, I certainly find that extremely abhorrent put it bluntly, because if you think about a marketplace of humans, that's effectively a euphemism for the slave trade, really. You know, when else do we sell people for the physical services that they can provide? With the, the, the age element, people are busier now, you know, not dating as much. So there probably is an element that maybe someone in their 30s that is incredibly busy and will want to date with someone or use a sugar daddy site so that they have companionship. But again, we are in an economy at the moment that isn't struggling incredibly, especially with COVID, that perhaps women are entering this industry perhaps slightly out of desperation. Have you seen that at the moment, Tom? Yeah, 100%. And this extends beyond sugar daddying as well. Unfortunately, poverty is predominantly the driving factor in entering the wider sex trade. That is what effectively sugar daddying is. You know, if you're exchanging sex for money, it is a part of the functional sex trade. So completely, when you have an environment such as the one, you know, ravaged by COVID, where individuals lack the economic autonomy 
to make empowered choices. They very, very quickly find their options diminishing. So if you have somebody coming along who, quote, in the, you know, the most optimistic analysis just wants companionship, then actually that might seem like quite an attractive prospect, or it certainly seems like an option. But actually the, the reality often isn't that, unfortunately, is, is that women don't feel empowered to make that autonomous choice. And actually what it is, is an exploitative choice on behalf of the person, the man who is paying for it. All about the situation, understand what you're saying, where you're coming from, but thinking of cases where women have targeted and of course, it might not have been women. You could have men targeting women of a certain age, but where, let's stick with women, for example, targeting wealthy men. You know, the dynamic might be different there. You know, it might be the, the woman exploiting the wealthy man who may, for whatever reason, be vulnerable because of age. And you might also see that with younger men targeting older women who yeah. to be wealthy or whatever. So you've got another dynamic at play so there's, there's two things i would say to that firstly if that happens and I, I don't doubt that it does happen if that happens that's not good that's not a, a counterpoint to a different type of exploitation so when you say that or when one says older men are, are economically and sexually exploiting younger women I would say that the, the retort to that isn't, oh, but there are young women who are exploiting older men. I would say that they're, they're both bad, you know, that, and one doesn't cancel out the other. The, the second point, again, is it goes back to this wider analysis in that there may well be individual instances of that in terms of, as you've mentioned, both women to older men and younger men to older women. But what I would say is that that, again, isn't representative of the structural inequality at play it's actually just a byproduct and usually a very small byproduct of a wider type of exploitation one thing that i wanted to ask you tom is what you find in respect of with these sites so you've got effectively two people that are being connected that won't know each other you're not really doing background searches the safety and checks that perhaps these sites do for example if a young woman agrees to go Perhaps I'm being naive here for, for dinner with someone in exchange for payment, whether that person turns out to be not who his profile or her profile are and whether yeah. it can turn into sexual assault or something that wasn't actually consented to when the original agreement was made. Have you had issues in regards to sites and safety in, in that respect? So with regards to sugar daddying specifically, I'm not sure, to put it bluntly, that the, there's not an example that I can think of. But speaking more widely, in terms of the attitudes that are instilled within sex buyers, within the commercial sex industry, mm -hmm. the attitudes that develop from that are almost, it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy in that if you believe that you can purchase sexual access to somebody that will further instill attitudes that are more sympathetic towards sexual violence and abuse and aggression. And the, there's been many, many studies across many, many countries. I mean, the UN did one. It was a multi-country study about individuals, again, predominantly men, who purchase sex and what their attitudes are towards sexual violence. 
And it was shown that what it does is that it makes them more sympathetic to it and then more predisposed to going to act on it, which then in turn makes them even more sympathetic. So it's this vicious cycle that kind of it escalates and gets worse and worse. So in terms of the sugar daddy context, what I would say just from a background perspective is that if somebody is in that position where they feel that it's acceptable or normalized to be able to pay somebody with a view to sexual access, it's very likely that they will have other views that will then lead to the situations you've mentioned, Danny, in terms of the assault or the abuse. And, you know, it's not necessarily going to lead to that, but there's no reason to think that it couldn't, bearing in mind the evidence at hand. Thank you, Tom, for that. Very insightful and thought-provoking. And yeah, I think I can only speak for myself, of course, but it actually made me think a lot more about what actually sugar daddying is all about and what it could be all about. You should say on your website, there's actually a lot of information about the wider sex industry. So that was sugar daddies and porn hub and things like that. So I guess if our listeners are wanting more information to have a look at your website in regards to that. Yes, please do. It's uh, cease.org.uk and there's, there's plenty of information on there. Good. Okay. Well, thank you, Tom. Thank you, Danny. Thank you, podcast listeners. As always, if you have any questions, thoughts, concerns, please don't hesitate to get in touch with us. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this episode of HJ Talks About Abuse. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast player. If you'd like to speak to us about something you've heard today, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at aboutabuse at hjtalks.co.uk.